high as the 20th day of February. And of course, the year 2023. Today is President's. Let me see if I can say that well. President's Day here in the U.S. And it's Family Day in Canada. I hadn't realized that. In President's Day, it also was Washington's birthday, our first president. So that's that's how I think it all came about. You know? I would assume so. Yeah. I didn't even know it was President's Day. Well, it is. And um, let's see. Mercy. Good morning. Welcome to a Monday free-for-all edition. And uh, Liz is here. I'm Dave Palmer. Good morning. Good morning. 1792 on this date, the U.S. Postal Service created, and postage was 6 to 12 cents depending on the distance. Wow. So if it was next door, I guess 6 cents. If it was across the country, 12, something like that. that that'd be nice. In 1872, New York's Metropolitan Museum of Art opened on this date, 1872. 1873, British Naval Officer John Morrisby discovers the site of Port Morrisby, which is um, in New Guinea, Papua New Guinea, and claims it for the United Kingdom. Other important historical events. 1938, the United Kingdom Foreign Secretary Anthony Eden resigns, stating Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain has appeased Nazi Germany. Then on to 1944, the Battle of, let's see, Inuitak, something to that effect. And they say U.S. forces take Inuitak Atoll at um, a cost of 37 Americans killed or missing and 94 others wounded. Incidentally, the Japanese losses at the same event, 800 dead and 23 prisoners. And that was 1944 on this date. 1947, again on this date, Earl Mountbatten of Burma appointed his last victory of India. I'm sorry, that's not right. I mispronounced a word. My, uh, his last viceroy. What a difference. So let's do it all. Earl Mountbatten of Burma appointed his last Viceroy of India to oversee the move to independence. 1962, John Glenn becomes the first American to orbit the Earth aboard, remember the, the name of it, Friendship 7. And uh, that was quite an event for Ohio as, of course, John Glenn was a native of Ohio. That's right. All right, well, let's see, some famous birthdays, and I always need your help, Liz, on this. I got you. So, famous birthdays. First, we have Kurt 
Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Now, he was born on this date in 1967. He died in 1994. That was a pretty tragic one. I have no recollection of this. Uh, Kurt Cobain was the lead singer of Nirvana, guitarist. Oh, okay. Self-inflicted, unfortunately. Oh, suicidal. Yes, yeah. Too bad. And uh, were were there any... um, do they, whatever you have in front of you, any indications that he had been showing signs of depression or anything? Yeah, um, there's some really incredible documentaries on his life. Uh, I think for a while there, I think after they got big, he started to get really sad. He struggled from clinical depression and uh, I know heroin usage as well, and mm. that kind of just pushes you over the edge. Rihanna uh, is celebrating her. Uh, 35th birthday today. Now, I've heard that name over and over, and yet, if I had to hum a tune or whatever I would do, I I don't think I could do it. She did the halftime show for the Super Bowl this year. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, and she was a hit. She was really good. Yeah. Well, so many of the newer artists or current-day artists are just not in my um, knowledge bank. But some of the older ones certainly are. Yeah, she's good. Olivia Rodriga. Um, R-O-D-R-I-G. Is that an A or an E? That's an O. Rodrigo. <laughs> Rodrigo. So we also play a lot of her over on Power 105. She's a really great up-and-coming um, pop musician right now. She kind of has... Uh, 2000s punk vibes in some of her songs which is cool to have back in the in the pop culture yeah and uh golly only her 20th birthday yes today. she started really young sydney portier who i had the chance of working with twice he was born in 1927 on this date he died in 2022 a very classy guy um, anything on him over there that you could add? What was that last name? Portier. P-O-I-T-I-E-R. P-I-E-R. He was an actor. Ah, uh, there we go. I could not figure out how to spell his last name. Sure. Uh, let's see. Oh, in 1964, he was the first black a- uh, black actor in the to win an Academy Award? Yes. Very cool. He was cool. Well, so many films. Potier? Potier was one of the last major stars from the golden age of Hollywood cinema. Potier. Potier. Sidney Potier. I've said it three different ways now. (laughs) It looks like it's Portier. Yeah. All right, um, let's see. we got two famous deaths to mention. First is that of Chester Nimitz, N-I-M-I-T-Z, who was born in 1885 but died on this date in 1966. Chester Nimitz. I feel certain it has something to do with ships. He played a major role in the naval history of World War II as commander-in-chief of the U.S. Pacific Fleet. And um, 
So I worked for one of his successors, I guess you would say. Oh, yeah. Admiral John McCain. Oh, that's right. All right. Um, Frederick Douglas. D-O-U-G-L-A-S-S. Frederick was born in 1818, died in 1895. What was his thing? He was an American social reformer, abolitionist, uh, writer, and statesman. So he was very, very important. After escaping from slavery in Maryland, he became a national leader of the abolitionist movement in Massachusetts and New York. And uh, that's pretty incredible. Well, good morning, folks. Welcome today, of course, uh, as we said already, the 20th of February. And it's President's Day. I don't know. Does the post office work on President's Day? Well, I would assume not, since it's a... uh federal holiday federal holiday yeah i don't know i don't think the kids are in school either if you hear a bunch of commotion behind us by the way that's the power 105 studio they're trying out a new morning talk show yep all righty let's see here i came across an interesting report over the weekend and it's entitled 2023's hardest working cities in america uh, I've got two versions of it. I'll share one with you, and I'll take the other. All right. So, um, hardest working cities. Many Americans view hard work as the path to achieving the American dream. We work so hard, in fact, that we put in more hours at our jobs than several other industrialized countries. The average U.S. worker puts in 1,791 uh, hours per year, 1791, which is 184 hours more than the average in Japan. That's crazy. 294 more than those working in the United Kingdom and 442 more hours than in Germany. In recent years, many people have switched to working from home, which can end up extending work hours even further. Some U.S. cities represent um, the strong work ethic that helped to build the world's biggest economy better than ours. In order to determine which cities outwork the rest of America, Wallet Hub compared the 116 largest cities across 11 different key metrics. And our data set ranges from employment rate to average weekly work hours to the share of workers with multiple jobs. So, now this is a list of U.S. cities only. And uh, on another occasion, maybe we'll look at that international report. But, um, <clears throat> Liz, uh, if you had to guess, without looking at the report. Okay. 
Um, where would you think the hardest working city in the nation is? So without looking, I would my brain would just go to Texas, I think, for okay. some reason. Now, Texas does show up starting in the 9th, 10th, 11th <coughs> position. Or no, 12th position. Uh, I see number three, too, Irving, Texas. Oh, I missed it. Yeah. Okay, well, in any case, the number one hardest working city is San Francisco. I'm not sure if I would have guessed that. I would not have either. Followed by Anchorage, Alaska, number two. Now, I might have guessed Alaska had a tougher time. You know, more more work. Sure. But um, still, San Francisco, number one. Anchorage, Alaska, number two. Um, Irving, Texas, as you pointed out and I missed earlier, comes in number three. I'm not sure if I know where Irving is. I'm from Texas. I'm not sure if that sounds familiar or not. Get, get your phone out. Yeah, let's see. It's it's um, yeah. Get your phone let's out. See what kind of population they got. Okay, Virginia Beach, number four. Virginia Beach. Maybe and, all the tourists. Well, I you know there was a period of time, five years, where I owned WRAP in Norfolk. Virginia Beach is uh, one of the many communities that make up Norfolk, Virginia. We lived initially on 61st Street, right on the beach, and then up on 92nd. Um, I, I think it's interesting that they have it ranked so highly. It was a wonderful place to live. Washington, D.C., number five. Now, okay, uh, how many cities are we listing here? Uh, we have, I'm thumbing through the pages, 116 <laughs> cities. Wow. And Virginia Beach comes in number four. Washington, D.C., number five. Okay, now, you and I can both run down this list and just sort of pick out some cities that mean something to us. So, Norfolk, Virginia, um, number seven. Cheyenne, Wyoming, I went to school there some, number eight. Dallas, Texas, nine. Austin, Texas, ten. Nashville. Nashville, I believe, because of their buzzing music scene. Okay, they came in 11th. Chesapeake, Virginia, 13th. Now, this one is really hard for me to believe. <laughs> Billings, Montana. Um, Sheridan College was close enough to Billings that if we wanted to go somewhere... And party a little bit, we might go up to Billings. 14th hardest working city. Denver, 16th. Okay, Scottsdale, Arizona, 18th. I'm skipping around here. I guess you knew, could figure that out. 
Then uh, several cities from Texas, all in that uh, upper teens. And let's see here. Seattle, Washington, 24th. Tampa, Florida, 26th. Houston, Texas, 27th. Okay, Salt Lake City, 32nd. Honolulu, Hawaii, 38th. Um, now, Liz, feel free to jump out on any of these. But um, now we've got a, a series of Florida places. St. Petersburg, Jacksonville, Orlando, um, Miami, 54th. Um, Immediately followed by Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tulsa, really? Yeah, yeah. Fort Wayne, Indiana, 58th. Louisville, Kentucky, 64th. Irvine, California, where my son Paul lives, 67. Anaheim, California, 71st. Boom, 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 boom. Columbus, Ohio. 72nd. Now, what did I say the total was? A hundred and something. I, mine goes up to 20. <laughs> okay. Let me turn one more page here. 100, 116 cities. Columbus, Ohio comes in 72nd. Huh. Okay, we could just keep naming names, but that's, um, okay, Los Angeles, 77th. Okay, Cincinnati, Ohio, 85th. Um, boom, 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 boom. Pittsburgh, 89th. New Orleans, 87th. I'm sorry, I skipped that one. Chicago, 86th. I'm kind of jumping all around here. Not as well as organized as I thought mm -hmm. it was. But to going on down the list, Toledo comes in at 107th. Cleveland at 112. So I, I think I've hit all the Ohio cities. But still in this last page here. New York City, 99th. I think that's amazing. Um, Las Vegas, 105th. Well, I guess you see the point. Yeah. Um, let's see, what else do they have to add to this? Um, they also provide a chart, which I need a real-time computer in front of me to use. But it starts in the year 2009 and goes through tw tw 2021. So if you hit a particular year, it'll show the difference each year has made uh, in each 
each of these cities and each of these states. So, you know, some questions that might be posed. Researchers shows that Americans work 25% more hours than their counterparts in Europe. Why do Americans work so much more and is it worth it? These are discussion points. Number two, research points to an increase in the average workday length in recent years. What factors do you think prompted this change when working from home, no commuting, having difficulty in drawing the line between work and home, etc.? Well, certainly we can't ignore COVID. But working from home rather than working in the office Should that mean an increase in work hours? Uh, it, it definitely could, um, because I think that it is harder to get things done at home. But, you know, I'll so also... So efficiency you're speaking of? Yeah, it, but it could also go down because, because of the complete opposite of that reason. Maybe it's more easy to focus at home. Well, does working more hours always translate into higher productivity? I wouldn't think so, no. They're doing a study uh, on that right now in, in the UK, I believe. And does this vary by industry or job type? I would think so. Yeah, I would think so, too. What policies should governments and firms adopt to improve the quality of life of American workers? Wow, that's a loaded question. Yeah, I was trying to think on that one without uh, getting too political. Well, it's an interesting item. Definitely. Um, let's... Um, Let's turn our attention to uh, some other items. Um, this morning, uh, I woke up to um, the news stories, and I really had to listen carefully because I couldn't quite tell if they were saying the name I, I'm, about, I'm about to mention had passed or was sick. But we're talking about former President Jimmy Carter. And he is alive, but he's not in good shape at all. Former President Jimmy Carter will receive hospice care at his Plains, Georgia home as his health deteriorates. That's according to a Saturday announcement from the Carter Center. He is now 98 years of age. Carter is the longest living former U.S. executive. The cause of Carter's current health issue was not announced. Electing hospice care signals a person is nearing the end of life, of course, where care focuses on comfort rather than continued treatment. 
One study found 93% of hospice patients pass away within six months. Well, of course, you all may recall he was a former peanut farmer, a Democrat, a defeated incumbent Gerald, he defeated the incumbent Gerald Ford in 1976 on his way to a single term marked by an energy crisis. Also marked by a historic agreement between Israel and Egypt and the normalization of relations with China. Since losing re-election in 1980, Carter has worked as a humanitarian advocate alongside his wife, Rosalind. He recovered in 2015 from a metanoma diagnosis. Metanoma. That, um, is that skin? It's sounding like it. Metanoma. But it goes on to say that wow. spread to his brain and liver. So I, I'm guessing it's not a skin. Thing. No, because it's a virus. Okay. Human. Oh, it, it looks like a, a type of pneumonia. I see. It causes mild cold-like symptoms or no symptoms at all. But in some cases, such as in babies or older people, um, it's pretty hard on the lungs and the heart. Well, we... Um Keep him in your thoughts, please. He is uh, in hospice care at his home. All right. Crimes against humanity is the topic of the next story, and it says the U.S. has formally concluded Russia has, com has committed what legally constitutes as crimes against humanity during its ongoing war in the Ukraine. That's according to Vice President Kamala Harris. This statement, the most explicit and public-facing condemnation by the U.S. government of Russia's actions in the Ukraine, came as Harris gave remarks in Munich, Germany. Harris pointed to reported atrocities in the towns of Bucha, where the bodies of more than 300 civilians were found in April, and uh, Mariupol, where a Russian airstrike hit the theater where civilians had sought shelter. Russia has previously denied being responsible for those killings. On the ground, Russia forces reportedly led by the private military contractor Wagner Group, huh, are close to controlling the eastern city of Bakhmut. Bakhmut, I think it is, actually. The remarks came as Russia appears to be preparing, preparing for a redoubled push in the Ukraine, nearing the one-year mark of the war this week. Wow. I just don't understand why. 
And I know it's probably been covered a hundred times, but I have heard it, but I still don't understand it. Well, astronomers have uh, detected auroras on at least four moons of Jupiter that would be visible to the human eye. This is according to recently published results. Jovine Auroras, I think is um, the title of this. The phenomena commonly referred to on Earth as the Northern Lights, occurs when electrically charged particles traveling through space interact with a planet's or a moon's atmosphere. The findings were observed on Jupiter's largest moons. I'm sorry, on four of Jupiter's largest moons and I cannot pronounce them. Very cool, though. I love stuff like that. Astronomers said the display would be visible while standing on the moon's surfaces. While not observable from Earth with the naked eye, the results provide insight into the body's lunar atmospheres, suggesting the moons have a thin layer of oxygen and sulfur on which uh, on at least some of the bodies. Now, um, if you go to a NASA website, they have some interactive maps there. Mm -hmm. And uh, you could see there, um, learn more about this and see what it might look like and that sort of thing. All right. Um, let's see here. I guess we've done most of these pretty well. Let me set this report down and pick up another. Okay, so these are the headlines today according to the New York Times. The top news. The United States warnings to China on arms aid for Russia's war portrayed global rift. Secretary of State Anthony J. Blinken says Washington has indications that Beijing is strongly considering giving military aid to Moscow for the war in the Ukraine. Another story. Hedge fund billionaire extracts billions more to retire. We're talking about Bridgewater's founder, Ray Dalio. He retired last year after months of negotiations that guaranteed him a gigantic exit package. Another large story. Um, brainwashing a generation. British schools combat Andrew Tate's views. Alarmed by an online personality's popularity among their students, educators are mobilizing to combat 
the sexism he promotes. Andrew Tate we're talking about. Um, let's see. Here's an interesting item. A fraud, a, a fraught new frontier in telehealth. I didn't read that very well. A fraught new frontier in telehealth. Ketamine? Ketamine? Ketamine. Okay. With loosened rules around remote prescriptions, a psychedelic-like drug has become a popular treatment for mental health. But a boom in at-home use has outpaced evidence of safety. I'm not sure how I feel about that. It's like a it's like a cat tranquilizer. No, I think people are just like medicinally using it. You mean it's uh, more of a veterinarian type thing? Yeah, they use it in like horse and cat surgeries. Hmm. Well, it's made the news. <coughs> yeah, I've been hearing about it a lot. Um. Let's see. We've got a, a, a police radio and video that reviews terror and confusion in the hunt for the Michigan State gunmen. Law enforcement faced a deluge of 9-11 calls containing false alarms, adding chaos to the already difficult task of securing a campus with 400 buildings. These are all just kind of headlines like. Um, one year into war, Putin is crafting the Russia he craves. This once again concerns the Ukraine. In the Ukraine, President Vladimir Putin's invasion has met setback after setback. But his effort at home has been very different. On another story, despite help for Venezuelans in South America, many are still heading north. There seems to be a defection taking place there. Colombia, with U.S. help, is providing temporary visas to Venezuelan migrants. Still, Financial struggles are leading many to leave for the United States. And to the best of my knowledge, we are welcoming them. Okay, what's this one? It says, a high-maintenance relationship for 637 years. But Milan's Duomo is still adored. I don't think I know what we're talking about. Let's see if it, it goes into any explanation. Okay, so it, it does. The care for Milan's cathedral has been nonstop since the year 1386. But despite the constant need for refurbishment, the beloved landmark um, its hold on the city is unbreakable. 
Evidently, there's been some people who say this thing is beyond repair. It should be destroyed or, or taken down. It's not safe and so on and so forth. But there are others who say not so. We can make it safe again. Let's see here. Auxiliary Bishop is fatally shot in his Los Angeles home, police say. This is a Roman Catholic bishop, David O'Connell, was killed on Saturday in his home in Hacienda Heights. What led to the shooting simply is unclear. Mitch O'Connell? Is that what you said? No. Oh. David O'Connell. Oh, oh, He was oh. a Catholic bishop. Um, okay. Let's see. How one day's, how one President's Day became President's Day. That's another story in the New York Times today. It says the United States began celebrating the first President when he was still general, nearly 300 years ago since George Washington's birth, the holiday has morphed into a celebration of the presidency. President Biden's strategy is to frame the race as a contest between a seasoned leader and a conspiracy conspiracy-minded opposition while batting away concerns about his age. And um, Biden um, is drawing up a 2024 playbook that looks a lot like 2020s. So, lots going on. Um, you see, in business, Turkey's reeling economy is an added challenge for Erdogan, Erdogan, E-R-D-O-G-A-N. I'm not familiar with this. The earthquake's staggering reconstruction bill will join other economic woes as the country's autocratic leader faces re-election. Let's see here. Top banker talked of young women with Jeffrey Epstein, the court filing says. Hmm. Jess Staley, a former top executive at J.P. Morgan, is under scrutiny in a U.S. Virgin Islands case over his ties to the disgraced financier. Let's see here. By adding apartments, malls seek to bring shopping closer to home. I see in Columbus a big new announcement of uh, something similar to that. Oh. Anyway, the, the story goes on, or the headline anyway, facing an um, existential 
crisis over empty space, owners are trying to fill malls with residences. Building on the live work play, no, no, live work play model sought by young adults. I'm not sure uh, how I feel about that. I, I'd hate to spend all my time within a square mile. You know yeah, what I mean? I don't think it's very ethical. Oh, I don't know about ethics. I just know how are you experiencing a variety of ways of life. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, let's see here. What else do we have that we could talk about? What, what's, what do you have in front of you there? This is the uh, top 20 cities. Oh. We already covered this. We covered this, didn't we? Well, here's a story about how Biden thinks. And this is in, again, the New York Times, the morning report. And um, David Leonhardt, who often writes these reports, has done this one as well. I want to use today's newsletter on President's Day to explain how President Biden thinks about the country and what distinguishes him from many other leading Democrats. To do so, I spent time at the White House last week talking with senior officials and emerged with a clearer sense of why Biden and his inner circle believe that he should run for re-election. You may not agree with them. He is already 80 years old. But even if you think his age should be disqualifying for 2024, Biden's analysis of American politics is worth considering. He believes he understands public opinion in ways that many of his fellow Democrats do not. And there is reason to think he is correct. Let's start in the same place that Biden often does when talking about this subject with the campaign that launched his career. Limousine, limousine liberals is this next section. Biden was the first elected to the Senate in a very bad year for Democratic presidential nominee. It was 1972, and the nominee was George McGovern. Richard Nixon, the incumbent, portrayed McGovern as an elite, I'm sorry, well, as a liberal who was focused on the three A's. What are the three A's? Amnesty for draft dodgers, abortion, and acid. Despite McGovern's own humble background and World War II heroism, he played into the caricature, allowing Hollywood stars and college activists to become symbols of his campaign. Biden, a 20-year-old long-shot Senate candidate in Delaware, took a different approach. 
On economic issues, he ran as a populist. He complained about millionaires who don't pay taxes at all and billion-dollar corporations who want a ride on the public's back. But other issues, Biden signaled that he was more moderate. He called for an end to the Vietnam War while also opposing amnesty for draft dodgers. He said the police should focus less on marijuana busts and less, I'm sorry, while also opposing legalization. He distanced himself from McGovern's student volunteers, saying, I'm not as liberal as some people think. On election day, McGovern lost every state except Massachusetts, and received less than 40% of the vote in Delaware. Biden won a shocking upset that launched his long state his long Senate career. Well, today when Biden reminisces about the McGovern campaign, he uses the phrase limousine liberals, which he which coined in 1969. They forgot about the neighborhood up I grew up in, he has said. The key lesson was that the rest of America looked more like Biden's old neighborhood in Scranton, Pennsylvania, than like Hollywood or the Ivy League. Biden has never forgotten that. Every president since Nixon has hung a portrait of George Washington above the fireplace in the Oval Office. But not Biden. That spot has instead gone to Franklin D. Roosevelt. When Biden looks up from his desk, he sees the portrait. He tells people that FDR is the president who never forgot about the working class. A quote, we didn't pay nearly as much attention to working class folks as we used to, Biden said recently, talking about the 1972, and the same thing is happening again today. Well, just a few remarks about President Biden. And, um, you know, I... I worked in Washington a great deal. I had respect for all sorts of different points of view. And I also saw how some could represent them better than others. I guess we're done for the day, aren't we? I guess so. And uh, like it. folks, we want you to have a safe day out there. It's, um, let's see here, I th last I looked it was 54 degrees. It's going to be beautiful. And uh, let's see. In our 73rd year of serving Southeast Ohio. 57 are high. And 97.1. We'll see you tomorrow. This is C.